Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of Stub Me Down. My name is JW, and as usual, I am here with my best friend Skinny, who seems to be having a little bit of technical difficulties today, but what would a Stub Me Down recording session be, Skinny, without a little bit of difficulty getting the ball rolling? Either way, here we are. It's good to see you, my friend, and I'm excited to get into today's episode, man. Yeah, me too. It's cold outside. Welcome uh, to you and, and everybody that's listening out there. Yeah, we always have technical difficulties. I don't even know what to say. I don't know what I'm doing, but I think that's pretty blatantly obvious. So, <laughs> What's funny is that this is the 29th episode or something like that that we've recorded, most of them using this technology. And here we are spending almost an hour trying to just... <laughs> be able to talk to each other but hey you know what it makes it uh it makes it entertaining and a good laugh i don't know about a good laugh i wasn't laughing (laughs) no it's frustrating in the moment and we made it here so this is awesome this is another one of our off-season episodes we're in between seasons two and three And we do like to touch base, talk about some things that are going on. Today is going to be a special episode. Skinny, we're going to do another How About That Jam, which we had done an episode of in our first off season, where each of us just choose an individual jam or set of jams instead of a whole show. We'll both talk a little bit about some music that we have chosen. So we'll get into that in just a couple minutes. But Skinny, on the last episode of Stub Me Down was our first special episode this offseason. And man, how cool was that? We had Carl Gears Gearhard from the Giant Country Horns join us. I mean, just such a cool conversation. Man, what an awesome guy. So friendly, so willing to participate with us. And I mean, from the recording, which we had about two and a half hours of recording time, I talked to him for an hour or so when we first made contact with him. We had a pre-record meeting. I mean, he gave us a lot of time, gave us just such great experience that he had playing with Fish, his music career, playing with Room Full of Blues, which is the band he's with now. Man, I just had so much fun. That was one of the best things I think we've done. Yeah, it was really cool. I, the thing was, it was a setup really for New Year's. And we were going to go see him late night with the James Brown dance party. I was really excited just to see him in person. You know, that's what the whole fucking thing about this COVID shit is. It's like two steps forward and then eight steps back. I'm just so disappointed we didn't get a chance to meet him. Beyond seeing four concerts in in New York City and being around each other and enjoying that time right around the holidays... I look forward to it every year, and I know a lot of fans out there do too. And and we were looking forward for that conversation to kind of help us push Stub Me Down a little bit more and, and for people that hadn't heard of us and to get him on and to be so eloquent about his journey musically. It was great, but there was a little bit of that downside to it. But I was really happy with the episode, and we have really picked up a, a new friend. He's just a great guy. He's so complimentary and really great that he was on, and I hope we have him on in the future. Absolutely. I I would love to have him back on. And it it was cool to hear his perspective talking about the Horns tour in 91 and how that all got started. And there were some funny stories about that experience that he told. He also stubbed us down skinny on a really good show from Hampton, Virginia on November 21st, 1998. 
uh, which was the second night of a two-night run that Fish played at the Mothership down there in Hampton. Carl had come out and played the encore for both nights. He did Cavern the first night. The second night, he and Tom Marshall came out and played Tub Thumping, and a lot of fun to hear that story and how that all came around. Of course, hearing about Roomful of Blues and the band he's with now, hearing about his Navy career, it was just a lot of fun, and I was really looking forward to I was had been mentally gearing myself up for that late night show, the James Brown dance party that the giant country horns were going to be a part of that was supposed to be on December 30th. They did reschedule as Skinny alluded to fish ended up, I won't say canceling, but postponing their new year's run from the traditional December dates to April. So on April 20th, we will return to New York city to celebrate the ringing in of the 2021 new year. Wait, 2022, I guess it is. I don't even fucking know what year it is. Shit. Who knows, man? It's been so long. I'll take a booster to the face, though, if that's what I got to do to get to these shows. So, yeah, I've said it before. I'll wear a goddamn hazmat suit if we can if we can just <laughs> get these things going. Uh, but the James Brown dance party, I did communicate with Carl and he said that that show has been rescheduled. So they're still going to be doing that. That's going to be late night on April 20th, which is Fish's first night of this New Year's run. So as I'm sure that you know, if you you had tickets to New Year's, hang on to them. Interestingly, Skinny April is, I think, one of two months that I have never seen fish. So I'm glad that I'll be getting that little stat taken care of by seeing a couple of these shows. Unfortunately, because we had only planned on doing the first three, we were not going to do January 1st. So we'd actually don't have tickets for the last night, which is the Saturday. But it's also my youngest daughter's birthday. So it'll probably keep me from getting in too much trouble there. But it'll be cool to go up. April run, the band starting those shows on April 20th, 420. And I think that that'll be interesting and make for just another added element of this. And will it kick off a spring slash summer tour? We don't know at this point. So it'll be exciting to, to see how that all comes together. I will say I was crushed when those shows were canceled, they were canceled two days before Christmas. It was tough just a week out from the shows. It was tough to to deal with that cancellation. And um, and it did feel that that frustration of, come on, man, when are we going to be past this? How much more stuff is going to get interrupted because of this stupid fucking pandemic? <laughs> <laughs> it is stupid. It is stupid. And we've talked about this before. You know, I know that there are people, obviously, there's almost 900,000 families that are out there that have lost somebody. I don't want to trivialize that. I know that this has impacted a lot of people in our community. I got COVID. It's been a rough time for a lot of people. And I don't want to minimize that or trivialize that because we're complaining about some concerts getting canceled. As we've talked about over the course of Stub Me Down's history, music to us is more than just a good time, not being able to go to these shows and seeing music in general. It's hard for people like us who have come to have this be such a foundation and a big piece of our lives. So hopefully by the time April comes around, man, we'll be, you know, maybe it'll be in the rear view. Who knows, man? I hope so. I mean, the last thing I'll say when it comes to that is I've been in the face of it for two years too. And so have you, I mean, we're educators. So, you know, I'm around kids all the time. My kids just had it. It is something that we're not trivializing. And I, I know we haven't talked about it in a while, but it really just burns your hide 
when things have to be moved around, canceled, shifted, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, what's really important. And I got over it pretty quickly. I know you were pretty upset too, but it's just because you have to move everything around. Like we immediately move train tickets around. So we're ready to go. Luckily, because of our profession, I have off that week. So I'm kind of excited. I don't have to take any time or anything like that or try to get rid of tickets. So we're looking forward to it again. So if I have to push it back a couple months to look forward to something, then hey, you know, I'll take spring in New York City. We we had some stuff planned, Amy and I did. So we're going to keep those same plans and, and hopefully we're seeing four nights of music and pretty excited for it. So it is what it is, which is the worst, worst saying ever, but it is. <laughs> Delayed, not denied. We can live with that. You know, it's funny, Skinny. I'm just thinking about back to that last episode we did with Carl, one of the things that he talked about was the foodie kits jersey that they had done in honor of the 30th anniversary of the giant country horns tour and we had mentioned and i don't know who dropped the ball here whether it was y'all fall on the sword here it was probably me i mean i don't know we'll share the responsibility here but carl had mentioned that the giant country horns foodie kit that they did for the 30th anniversary, the proceeds were going to benefit the Ross and Saunders Institute, which is awesome. Although neither of us mentioned what the Ross and Saunders Institute is. And so we just wanted to take a minute. The Ross and Saunders Institute is one of the leading institutions for dyslexia education in the United States. I think it's down in Texas. As a former special educator, as we both are, any school that focuses on needs of students like this is near and dear to our hearts. So we just wanted to kind of circle back around and, you know, because of that special education connection, obviously the Ross and Saunders Institute is a important institution. We both worked at Kennedy Krieger School, which is another special education institution in Baltimore. For those of you that are educators out there, this was a non-public school that dealt with um, high-functioning autism all the way to emotionally, behaviorally disturbed students with uh, multiple disabilities, unbelievable kids there. But we have both experienced pretty much the gamut of special education needs over the course of our careers. So very cool that Foodie Kits did this and that it was something near and dear to the hearts of the guys in Giant Country Horns. Yeah, and dyslexia is something that can be difficult to pick up on, especially with students that work so hard. Imagine working so hard, it's like Sisyphus, you know, pushing that rock all the way up to the hill, really to get nowhere, and then having to do it all over again with each piece of content that just might look like a foreign language to them, you know, and and it's really hard to pick up. And it's really great that this institute is doing that type of work. And for all the educators out there that deal with these type of disabilities, we're definitely thinking about you because uh, we deal with it every day and it's going towards something that is helping children. I mean, that's... Um, I don't know what else to say about that. I think I just did. <laughs> There's not, I like Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah. And I know we have a number of educators that are fans of the pod. And to all of you, thank you for your continued efforts in what is not the greatest climate to be working in the field of education right now. We both know that obviously with inclusion and things like that, you deal with students with special needs every day and just being there and being present for your kids. You're, you're the good ones out there. So thank you from all of us here at Stub Me Down to all those educators out there and uh, keep on keeping on, man. Summer's coming.
<laughs> Hopefully quick, because it's about two degrees right now where we are. It sucks. I will tell you this, man. They've already sliced into our summer vacation. This is going to be the shortest summer that my school district has ever had due to uh, school board changes and calendar changes. And it's... Oh, so the people that don't really work in the classroom are making all those decisions? Awesome. <laughs> it's funny how that works. You don't really have any educators making all the educational decisions. This is a music show. <laughs> This Right. This is not an education podcast. You know, Skinny, those April fish shows, those rescheduled April fish shows are going to carry just a little bit more weight for me this year. Last week, my family, specifically my mom's side of the family, lost a member of our family, my mom's cousin, Jane, who was an incredible person, kind and generous and a very unique individual. Jane and I had a an interesting, unique relationship as well, and I won't get into the, the family history too much, but years ago, I think it was in 2010, my mom called me up randomly one summer day and said that she had just had lunch with her cousin, and they were talking and going on about their families, and they had been close when they were younger. Jane was born the day after my mom, so she was a day younger than my mom. And so every year they would celebrate their birthdays and and they were close growing up and then family happened and they had kids, got married, all that stuff. And you kind of grow apart. And after everybody was gone, they kind of grew back together. And so my mom called me up one day and said, hey, I just had lunch with Jane and Jane was talking about her crazy brother-in-law and how he's a musician and that he plays in this band called Fish. I was blown away. I said, Mom, who are you talking about? And she said, Trey, Trey Anastasio. Don't you follow Fish, right? And I was like, yeah, Ma, I've seen him a few times. She said, well, Jane said that if you ever had trouble or you ever wanted tickets, that just let me know and she would see what she could do. And that was in 2010. So actually, the funny part about that story was it was literally right after I had just gotten shut out from getting tickets to Fish's Halloween run in Atlantic City that year. I said, well, mom, actually, if you could call her back up and say, I need tickets to Atlantic City. And that was the first time that Aunt Jane, cousin Jane, got tickets for me to go see fish. Over the course of the next 11 years, almost 12 years, Jane got me tickets to a variety of shows. I never took advantage. I only asked for tickets that I couldn't get through the traditional means or were real difficult to get, New Year's runs and things like that. I added it up and I think it was a total of 54 shows. So almost a third of the shows, a little bit more than a third of the shows that I have seen in the course of my fish career were courtesy of Jane. So she's a big loss. Obviously, even fish aside, that doesn't even really matter. She was a grandmother of 11 kids. Just such a kind soul. It was a tough loss. I went up to her funeral this past week. You know, it was it was hard to see my mom as upset and my uncle. I saw my uncle there as well. And and it was it was difficult, but it was nice to hear about a life well lived and all of the people that loved her. I'm I was one of them and and she's gonna be missed. Fare thee well, Jane. We love you. We'll see you on the other side. Yeah, man. I'm I'm really sorry for your family's loss. You know, I know your mom and her were close, so 
And she definitely was gracious enough. I mean, I was on some of those runs with you, uh, Miami specifically in um, 2014 into 15. So yeah, I know. I mean, she took the time out to to hook us up. I mean, she didn't even know me and, you know, she's getting tickets for us to sit pretty much in family sections or wherever good seats. It wasn't about that at all, but the generosity and the human condition people to give I think we need to probably get back to that a little bit. Sometimes with loss, we remember that and we recollect about, you know, what that person meant to not only their personal community, but the community at large. And I think that's really important. So I'm glad you said something. So, yeah. So those April shows will be the last shows basically that she will have gotten us tickets for. So we'll carry her with us for that one as we do for all the shows and you know, I guess that's the cycle of life, you know? Sometimes it really fucking sucks. It does, but you know, on a good note, you know, hasn't Fish played Sweet Jane? That would be interesting for them to to play that for her. Well, we'll put it out there and that would be that would be cool. Anyway, buddy. Well, I'm sorry and uh go for the rest of this show in her memory. So Yeah, for sure. Well, it's funny because these tickets for what we're going to be talking about today, the shows that I was at, all came courtesy of Jane. So it's appropriate that we're talking about these two shows or pieces of shows that we're going to be doing today. So Skinny, you got anything else before we get into today's How About That Jam? I do not. I'm actually really excited. My wife just brought me a beer. Like, how about that? (laughs) Well... In that case, then, are you ready for me to stub you down on today's episode? How about that jam? Hell yeah, man. Let's do it. All right. So I have picked from Dick Sporting Good Park, 9521, just this past end of summer, Labor Day. A triumvirate group of songs. So it's not like we did last year where it's one jam. I kind of went in a different direction here and felt like these three songs had kind of the same jam in it. Now, I know that's not a very intellectual way to describe this other than triumvirate, but uh, I'm going to do my best here. So let me just tell you the three songs right now. So it's in the second set of 9521, the catapult, which goes into a jam and then goes into the meat stick. And then there's a couple tunes, Ruby Waves and, and Bliss, Billy Breeze. And then the most events aren't planned. So it's really the catapult, the meat stick, and the most events aren't planned from the last night of, of the run in Dick's. I mean, it's like, talk about beating a dead horse. I have beat the shit out of this three song jam a lot in my car and especially lately in preparation for this show. I'm going to call out your math here a little bit. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> I got no problem with that. <laughs> As a, you are an English teacher and I am a social studies teacher, let's talk about math here. First of all, I want to know why you left out the simple because the simple kind of bleeds into that catapult. But when I wrote this down, I know that you really just wanted to focus on the catapult neat stick 
most events aren't planned, but you also leave out in the middle of that uh, 15 minute Ruby waves and probably six or seven minutes of the bliss Billy Breeze before most events are planned. So you basically are doing, you know, aside from the second set that opened with set your soul free into lonely trip and then close with Harry Hood, you got pretty much the, uh, the whole second set here. I know. Well, I, that's and I know that part of what we have done on this special episode is not to do a whole show. I mean, I, this is the point here is to talk about a jam. <laughs> and the reason why I did it that way is because I feel like and we'll talk about this, obviously, in a little while. I, I felt like these three jams had the same kind of thing going on. And, and I'll get into that a, a little bit. And really, it's can't miss. And, and we're going to talk about Dick's right now. It's Dick's, I think, and I think you'll agree, is a, is a can't miss tour stop. We've done it twice. I know you've done it, what's that, three or four times now? Three, yeah. 2016, 2017, and then this this past year, 21. Yeah, we did 2017, and we just did this past year. You know, you can't, I, flying out there as a teacher uh, for that Labor Day weekend is kind of rough, man. That first day back is, you know, I know you're just going over class is going to go that year, but it, it doesn't do anything for your health to have to come back and teach a hundred students in a day, the day, you know, the day after kind of raging it at three fish shows. The run is always excellent. And that's why I say it's can't miss. The, the weather this year was absolutely perfect without maybe starting an argument. I mean, I think that it's probably the most consistent tour stop of any run. People can talk about different runs, Halloween, Baker's Dozen, uh, the Island Tour. You, you can go on and on about what was consistent, what was not consistent. I don't think that's really the point I'm trying to make, make here is I just think when they play there, and I think it's been since 2010, correct me if I'm wrong, that every year it's just so consistent. There's nothing there that you're not really gonna hang on to and say, eh, I could have done something else. You know what I mean? I think the first year that they played there was 2011, actually. Okay. I knew I was wrong somehow, speaking of math. And the first five trips out there, listen to this in order, all right? In 2011, they opened the run with the S show. So every song that they played for the set started with the letter S. 2012 was the Fuck Your Face show. That was on August 31st, 2012, where they spelled out Fuck Your Face with the set. And then encored with fuck your face or i think they closed the show with fuck your face 2013 they spelled out most shows spell something but it was backwards in the set so starting with the g august 30th 2013 2014 was the Lushington show where they spelled out Lushington. And that was based off of a Rolling Stones fan poll about what Fish's best song was. And the fans, being the trolls that they are, came up with Lushington. And so the band spelled that out. In 2015, they had a bust out heavy show on September 6th. And they spelled thank you in the encore. So you're talking about a seven song, uh, see more math there, eight song encore in 2015. We went in 2016, unbelievable. They didn't spell anything in the set, but for my first trip out there, all three shows were banging shows. Same with when we went out there in 2017. And then you get out here in 2021. And again, I feel like 
each night was so there's no dogs in any of these sets music was all very very well played and environmental situation of going to see shows at this particular venue right outside of denver there's a shit ton of things to do when you're not at the shows whether you know we went hiking when we were there we did a micro brew tour there's i know you've been out there you've gone to baseball games like there's a ton of stuff to do while you're not at fish we met some cool people i mean it's just such a great experience and then you look at the history of the 10 years of fish playing there 30 shows and i mean out of those 30 shows you're going to be hard pressed to find one that is not at the very least very very good even there 2021 that the cool it down the night before on 94 it was kind of the year of moma dance uh, another strong one uh for this show you know, the Sigma Oasis in the first set, the Chalk Dust night one with the humongous glow stick war, which I don't think should happen anymore. I thought it was great that they didn't do that in AC, especially because it was on the beach. And this reusable plastic argument isn't even an argument. Like, let's stop. Let's stop doing it. I know it's really cool for the eyes. You know, what's it worth at the end? But I'm not going to spend too much time on that. I took a video, Skinny. You remember the, the video that I took? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. I mean, at one point, for those of you that uh, maybe didn't see the video, if you don't, if you haven't seen it, go to uh, either our Instagram account or our Twitter account, stub underscore me underscore down. And if you look through the media that we've posted, there's a video that I had taken during that chalk dust. A bunch of people in some of the private boxes on page side just started dumping thousands of glow sticks into the crowd below. I mean, it's just incredible how many glow sticks. And you're right. I mean, it's, you know, that's a lot of trash. Plus, it's a lot of things that the event crew and staff has to clean up. The visual spectacle of it is is something to behold, you know, for a community that's supposed to be a bunch of fucking hippies and green. <laughs> we definitely tend to leave a pretty bad footprint. Yeah, the only thing I saw that was green were glow sticks. I, could, I didn't see anything being uh, like a right. renewable energy source. Uh, I don't think you can do that with glow sticks. I think it just shows there's got to be an evolution and a journey for all this. And I, I that is just a very, very small part. And I understand people getting incensed about that. I, I just think from a personal standpoint, after seeing that, I don't need to see that again. And I know that the intent behind it, obviously, is to to have fun. And but uh, <laughs> yeah, eh, eh. I might be a little played. Look, things change, man. Right? Like right in you know 1998, 99. You know, a glow stick war was like one of the coolest features of going to a fish show. You need you get a a prime time Harry Hood glow stick war, where Harry Hood was the only song that you had a glow stick war during, right? Now it's 2001. It's chalk dust in this particular. Now it's like all over the place. People bring them in and bringing in trash to leave. I think we're at a situation where maybe we should evolve a little bit away from that. Um, And that's not like a topic that we need to go too in depth on. I think, you know, basically saying that, hey, Maybe we can chill on the glow sticks, at least bringing in gigantic fucking boxes of them to dump on the people below you. Eh, you know, let's maybe move in a different direction. How about this? Here's a money making idea. Come up with a fucking reusable glow stick. Right. There you go. 
<laughs> or just be like me and be old and just say, don't do it anymore. Like, get off my fucking lawn. So <laughs> let's just kind of bleed into to what we're talking about here. I, I want to get into talking about this, again, triumvirate group of songs with R2-D2 themes here. Uh, the first is a catapult and a really great jam that comes after it. I went back actually and listened to the first time I ever heard Catapult was 629-2000, which we've talked about. It's a great second set, great show all around at, at Homedale. The evolution between these two is they are just in two different places. They're two different songs. And it almost feels as if the intent by the band was to kind of be a machine um, and to create this machine-like theme throughout the rest of the set which really gets heavy, not only in the catapult, but also going into that meat stick jam. And it's funny because I know that a lot of you don't like meat stick. You got to listen to this one. It's got so many different things. It's kind of hard to keep up with when you're in the moment. I remember just going, whoa, like, what are they doing here? And then kind of the cherry on top is, is the most events aren't planned. I just felt like they were really doing something here that I've been reading about. And I've been reading the fish biography. I never read it before by Pewterball. I believe his name is Park Pewterball. I don't want to say Parky. I know that he, he ends his name with an E. But as I was reading it, I, I'm reading about this including your own hay kind of jam that they used to do back in the mid to early 90s where everybody gets locked in. And once you get locked into the jam, it's you just say, hey. And if you're stepping on the jam, you can say, hey. So I just felt like Trey explained it, like this idea of filling the space and getting locked in. I feel like that's exactly what happened here. And I don't think it was that exercise, actually. They have done, over the course of their history, so many different musical exercises. I think one was just mentioned, I forgot, it was a piano exercise that was mentioned in the Ninth Cube show. I really feel like there was some exercise that they had done before or that they were so familiar with, and they just got just super locked in from the catapult on. And I'm remiss to leave out the Ruby Waves and, and the Bliss Billy Breeze, because they're both... And the simple, too. And the and simple. Here's why, here's why I say the simple. All right. The simple's not very long. I think it clocks in at around eight minutes or so. But around six minutes, they get into this kind of funky jam where those telephone tones, or the R2-D2 tones, start to make an appearance, right? And that, I feel like, as they transition into the catapult, they were kind of sticking with the simple jam, at least as far as the beat and the bass line were concerned. And then they really were kind of overlaying the catapult lyrics and then they hooked into that I'm hooked up to a machine and then Mike and Trey started I don't even know what you call that but you know they were kind of going back and forth I'm hooked up to a machine right at Dick's I'm hooked up to a machine right and it kind of connected the simple directly to the catapult skinny when we were talking about this it's interesting to see how the set list was written got the official recording soundboard recording released on the live fish app it's simply simple into catapult into meat stick if you go to dot net fish.net they have 
simple transitioning into catapult back into simple and then into the meat stick and i don't know if i necessarily hear that simple come back around yeah i don't i don't either right um so i'm not sure about the tracking there but they keep that kind of simple-esque jam that they started in the formal part of simple out that catapult and then they drop into the meat stick which they again continue that same type of theme with the telephone tones r2d2 tones trey gets in a little bit of the jedi slash bullfrog pedal in there as well and you really hear that you know what the kids might call that 4-0 sound coming through in this meat stick it's really fucking cool i mean it's a really great section of music and you know you're not talking about anything that's super long it's not like they take a 20 minute dive on any one of these songs let's see the catapult was what six minutes and the meat stick was what eight and there was like two or three stop start jams in there and then they brought back while you're on this lonely trip and then cool amber and mercury which was like what are they yeah some lyrical teases there like where did that come gordon said that i was like where the fuck did that come out of understand like where are you going with that i remember being when i was there saying yeah like that is so weird i know that they had done that night one had kind of done this philosophy of like going back to other lyrics and i I can't remember specifically it doesn't even matter because i want to stick with this they were kind of doing that like jumping back and forth to something that they had already played and just lyrically not necessarily like jamming the song it was a very very strange thing that they did there and after the ruby waves bliss billy breeze it's, I mean, just a hardcore thumping version of most events aren't planned. And remember just watching too on New Year's, like Fishman, I'm, <laughs> I just look at him and I'm like, Fishman's fleshy grace. I mean, that's all, <laughs> that's, all, that's all I can think about that kid. He just doesn't even look like he's trying and he's so good. And and the most events, the baseline is just, just so popping when they start that. It's a really well-played version of that. And I love it now. I've listened to it, I don't know how many thousands of times, you know, after we got back from Colorado. It's a really, really good version of that too. I just think that it's not complicated. And for me, not complicated is great. I'm not the technical guy that understands what they're playing. And that's a synth compared to the Moog. And that's the the Languedoc is being played. And yeah, I kind of know that stuff. But I like it when it's not complicated. I I just want to listen and groove to it. And I know that that was an apex of summer tour. There's no doubt about that. We were hearing some of the stuff that we're talking about in other versions like in Atlantic City, and and you'll talk about your stuff too, but I felt they were going to continue this creativity kind of down the road. And um, A, it was creative, which is like, I mean, calling a tin can a tin can. They are super creative. And this, for me, out of the shows that I saw, which was limited this summer, but I still saw, you know, six, I felt like this was the apex of that creativity and it happened at the end of the summer. I think looking back, especially once you get to Halloween, the Vegas run, and then you look back, you know, hindsight's 2020, right? But you hear some of these features of the telephone tones, you know, some of those things that they did over the summer, that kind of quote unquote 4.0 sound, Fishman on the sample pad, you know, those things were all purposeful when we get to Vegas, right? Which we will in a little bit. But this, I really liked some of the statistical parts about this because I'm a nerd. So I've got some fish nerdery here for you. 
catapult, not a frequent visitor to fish sets in the 3.0 slash 4.0 era here. Only the fourth appearance that it has made since fish came back in 2009. Wow. They've played it 12 times since 1999. I've seen six of those. So Catapult, I have some pretty decent statistics about that show that you mentioned, the June 29th, 2000 show from PNC. We actually talked about that show uh, in season one of Stub Me Down, episode three, Garden State of Mind. So if you're not familiar with that show, that was a great week of fish, end of June 2000 run. So I definitely would recommend going back to that and also checking out the Stub Me Down episode we did on that episode. So really cool to get the catapult version that we got here because usually it's just a minute or a couple of minutes that they do kind of in the middle of something. This certainly was much more involved. Most events aren't planned. That's a Vita Blue tune that they brought into the mix. They debuted it at the Baker's Dozen. That was on, I think, the last night of the Baker's Dozen, August 6th. Then they played it at Dick's. We were out there for that version in 2017. It's been played seven times by the band. I've been in five of them, so I got some good stats on most events aren't planned, which is awesome because when you first hear Paige start the, the synth to lead into that, that's a lot of fun. That's a great groove, and that one, I think, really translates well into Fish's style from Vita Blue. They really play that well. And as we've talked about before, I love anytime Page sings too. So this was a cool, a cool way. And then they ooze into a hairy hood to close the set. So I mean, just a banging set overall. No dogs in this set. You know, even though we're not focusing on the whole set, they, they started the set with a 20 minute set your soul free. Very well placed, lonely trip there. And then they get into this simple through the rest of the set. Just a great way for them to end a superior run at Dix for, for 2021. Yeah, I had an awesome time. When they plug in and play other snippets and they do gaggy kind of stuff, the meat stick, they did the Japanese lyrics, which we saw for the first time, brought memories back of my first couple shows at Homedale in 2000. And they played a meat stick, I think, at 629. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff was just fun. They made it fun and then they made it strange and then they made it awesome. I mean, I've never heard a meat stick like that. Even looking at the meat stick gag from New Year's Eve, I just watched that with my wife this past holiday season. We were watching all the gags. You know, even that, it's they just kind of played on a loop as they went through the hot dog and stuff and then they came back to it a little bit. You know, it's still fun. It's not, yes, it's not the best song. I know people are like, ugh, meat stick. What, you don't like to dance around and have fun? That bothers me a little bit about that song. I think it gets destroyed for some sort of like, it doesn't have these technical pleasantries that nerds like to talk about in the nerditorium. But it's a fun song. I don't give a shit what you say. So, sue me. Well, and there's some good versions of it out there. I won't get into the song history and where you should go, but this is definitely one that I think fits the bill. You're going to enjoy it. It's fishy but I wouldn't call it fishy like vacuum solo fishy, right? Because it still sticks with a pretty heavy, funky jam. They just do some kind of funky things, some fishy things over top of that while the music kind of stays in that 
more jammy sense, not like slapstick silly music that they're playing. They're doing like slapstick silly vocal stuff over top of, you know, kind of more deep jammy music. Yeah, I, I hate to give one last reference. I, it, this is an iCarly reference because I've watched that show a thousand times because I have two daughters, but uh, it's like a spaghetti taco. Like it's still a taco, but there's spaghetti in it. So it gets a little weird. You know what I mean? It, it's definitely different. I think it, everybody should take a listen to it. And inside of everything else that's going on at the end of that set, that's why I chose it. So yeah, I was really happy with it and I, I love it. As we said, Colorado, great place to visit, great place to see music. A lot of cool things come out of Colorado. And actually, Skinny, there's a shop on the Lot by Primal Soup as the official podcast of the Lot by Primal Soup. It's always cool to talk about some of the other shops that are a part of the lot. And one of them is out of Colorado called Sex Plants and Rock and Roll. This is a shop that Lindsay Shower started. Talk about a Dicks fan. She has been to all 30 Dicks. That's a lot of Dicks, Lindsay. She said one of her favorite <laughs> all-time Dicks. And I mean, at this point, you kind of have to call it a set because the encore from 2015, the Thank You encore was seven songs. I mean, it's you know longer than some sets there. But she absolutely loved that. Her shop, Sex Plants and Rock and Roll, features all natural and organic bath and body products for the wooks in your life. I was looking through. She had natural pomade for dudes with beards called Greasy Physique Natural Pomade. So I might have to try that on my beard here a little bit and see if I can maybe control some of these curlies. But she's got a whole bunch of different products there. Everything is all natural, organic, very reasonably priced. And actually, Skinny, she is doing a 15% off discount if you use the code STUBMEDOWN at checkout. So go check out sexplantsrockandroll.com. You can access it through that, or you can access it through the lot by primalsoup.com. We love our partners. Always want to give them a shout out. So go check out Lindsay's store. She's got some cool stuff over there. Uh, that's awesome, dude. It's so nice to hear you read ads and kind of get in on the fun. I like what you do there, buddy. Great job. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. We're talking about this whole concept of 30 shows at Dick's, right? We've seen a bunch of them, the consistency of Dick's, the travel to go to some place like Dick's from the East Coast for us. We've done it a number of times now, and it's just so much fun. And there brings to it this concept of the journey, right? And we've talked about this previously as well, like those fish-centric vacations, right? You're going to see fish in a destination spot because maybe the scene is cool, the venue is cool, and it really becomes this, it's a journey. Yes, you're going to see a show and that's the event, but all of this is part of a journey, whether it's fish creating a musical journey for us or we are taking a journey or connecting a bunch of different journeys to go see the band. The funny part about it is it's kind of a journey with no destination, right? Because, you know, we might be at home right now, but the journey is going to continue in a couple of months, right? The journey kind of is the destination. I was thinking about this as we talked about this recording for today and that concept of this journey that we've been on with fish. And it ebbs and it flows, and sometimes it's fast and sometimes it's slow. It always keeps moving, but there is no final destination 
that we are trying to get to. I think that it's an interesting thing to think about because there are these multiple layers of the journey. They just pull us in and we're along for the ride, even though, you know, the bus isn't going to get off, you know, stop and we're all going to get off and then the bus is going to leave. And that's, I mean, eventually I guess that'll happen, but. Well, that happens to everybody, but I mean. (laughs) Eventually, but you know, the, the bus comes by and we got on and we're still on the fucker. I think there are destinations thematically. I I don't think that a destination has to necessarily be such a tangible thing. You know, the journey itself is the destination, right? I mean, I think that's what I'm picking up what you're putting down. I could be wrong. Yeah. I think I just exactly said those words. The journey is the destination. Oh, you did? (laughs) Maybe I wasn't listening. But, uh, you know, I feel like thematically there are destinations. I feel like Fish does that. The Grateful Dead did that for me. Um, Even the stuff that they would put on the screen sometimes in, in the summer, I would try to pay attention to it even though it was so ostensibly weird, I, I would try to pay attention to it just to see like, what are they, what are they trying to say? Which I could never figure out. And I don't think a lot of times as fans, we can figure that out with any band, but there is something to be said about that, that journey and destination. We'll have to go back to that. <laughs> you know what? We can, we can jump right back into it. Are you ready for me to stub you down just a little bit? Yeah, absolutely, man. Let's hear what you got. I stuck with a recent show as well, or a section of a recent show. My wife Megan and I traveled out to Vegas to see the Fortnite Halloween run this past year. I'm not even getting too deep into the whole Fortnite run, man. I'm choosing the first two songs from the opener show. They started the whole run with a mean, nasty 2001 into a cover of Prince's 1999, which, holy shit, bro, this 32 minutes of music to start this show, what would become known as the numbers show, was out of this world. Dude, the 2001 is what 2001 should be, right? A lot of kids out there, man, they're used to maybe those five, six, maybe if you're lucky, you'll get a seven or an eight minute 2001. This thing clocks in at 16. I mean, they didn't even get to the first buildup until like seven minutes in. They noodled around for the first two. You weren't sure where they were going to land. It had that vibe that they were, I kind of knew they were going to land on 2001. Even that's a surprise because this is not a first set tune. And it sure as shit has not opened a lot of shows. Only six times has this ever opened a show. And the last time it even opened a show was like June of 99 in New Mexico. So this is not a popular spot for this. And man, what a raging version of 2001 and really set the tone for an incredible four-night run. But again, that whole idea of that journey, Fish took us on a journey through these four shows and it started with that 2001-1999 that we got here. I was going to ask you, were you pissed when you knew like they were going to play Zero? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny because 2001-1999, I was like, something's up. And again, the 1999 they jammed out, it was almost 15 minutes. They went a little bit type two-ish, kind of in the middle there. Just some real strong parts of both of these jams. 
when they dropped into 555 after 1999 i was like okay they're doing numbers it's it's on and i actually wrote down in the margin of my set book some of the number songs that i could think of two of them off the top of my head i don't know my set book in front of me but two of them off the top of my head first tube and character zero so i knew it was coming <laughs> it was coming at some point this evening i was okay with it it came at the end of the show the show but i was not upset with the fact that they played it if only for this one particular show but i mean look dude when you have a show that gets a name the numbers show the fuck your face show the s show just talked about a couple of those from dicks when you have those you know it's going to be something special and there were two of those from this vegas run you had the numbers show you had the animals show and the show in between those two on the 29th was also fucking amazing. Bunch of bust outs. It was my wife's 100th show. She got a fucking banger, man. So it just set up an unbelievable weekend. These two songs. I mean, that was one of the best four nights that I have seen fish consecutively. It culminated with the Halloween show, the sci-fi soldier set that they did. I think that kind of connects back to this whole creativity type of thing because they fucking made themselves into comic book characters. I mean, it was it was a, a crazy thing. The get more down bit. I really thought that this whole run was spectacular. This was not a show that felt like a night one of a run show, right? And even aside from the novelty aspect, the numbers aspect of it, this show stands up with any other great show that maybe Fish played from. I think it's a great show. I mean, they went really deep there. I've never heard of 1999, but you could tell how super excited, which I love to say, the crowd got. Well, they only played it three times, so. Yeah, right. You know, when they heard that, all bets were off. For me, just as a listener, you know, in my car, just preparing for the show, I really saw how, well, heard how much the crowd was just so pumped that they were going this deep right off the bat that 2001 like you said to open up a show and go that deep with it reminds me of the conversation we had with brian from attendance bias about they're not even doing the da -da -da. they're just doing like i don't know if you call that like the coda or whatever that they do in the song like you don't even know it's what it is for a while i love when they they kind of pace it out and the 1999, definitely like a fan favorite right there. If you're going to look at all four of those nights, just based on what I heard from the crowd, they loved it. Well, and that was the thing too. At the end of 2001, Trace kind of bleeding, you know, bleeding out the sound. And then he steps up to the mic and he says, we're not going to hurt you. We just want to have some fun. And you couldn't, I couldn't really hear that when we were on the floor. But when Paige hit the first notes of 1999, that place went batshit crazy it was unbelievable the energy that those notes keep in the venue and then for them to jam it out for 15 minutes was just so much fun you could tell the band was loving every second of it up there then they play a 10 minute 555 15 minute 46 days i mean they followed it up with even more weight heavy hitters a number of 10 minute, 15 minute plus jams throughout this show. There is nothing like 
those first notes, and if you listen to the other two versions, the first time they played it was obviously New Year's Eve 1998, um, and they opened the show with it there. Again, that was a, a longer version, probably eight or nine minutes, I think. And then when you look at the second time they played it at the Baker's Dozen, they took that a little bit deeper there as well. I think everybody loves Prince, respects the hell out of Prince as a musician, and obviously 1999, what a great party song in general fish to, to drop it here man and you know i'm thinking back about it i saw the purple rain tour at the cap center so i have seen 1999 so but <laughs> i saw it you know with prince i mean prince is an unbelievable guitarist and i think the respect from playing that song when it's not something that they're going to bring back out probably for a while i think is definitely gets the crowd jazzed and also you know, you mentioned this original versus creative discussion, which I think it needs to be articulated because there was a lot of feedback that was negative, I thought, about what they chose to do in Vegas. For Halloween, you mean? For for the Halloween set? Yeah, and I, I felt like there was negative feedback from that when you're talking about how great the shows were. And, I, I, you know, you were there. I'm sure that they were. And I hate when people get too nitpicky. I mean, they did that with Wingsuit. I don't know if there was much about Cosvod Vox, but I, it seemed like there was some. And then with Sci-Fi Soldier, one of the problems I have with it is I wasn't there. So it's really hard for me to like get the perspective. What I was hoping was that they were going to maybe pepper some of those, at least two or three of them, throughout the four-night run in Madison Square Garden. I hope that they do that for me, you know, I, I don't care what anybody, I just want to see it so that I can make my own mind up. If I don't like it, fine, whatever. I'll, you know, I'll move on from it. I can tolerate anything at this point. But I think the originality and creativity, sometimes I don't understand how a fan, a regular fan, even if you're a musician and you're a well-versed musician, how in the world can you poo-poo that stuff? Just say you don't like it. Like, that's fine with me. If you don't like it subjectively, I get it, but there are a lot of objective arguments that just don't hold any water with me because I feel like they're not really looking at the perspective of a band that's really trying to be creative, that is evolving. And like you said at the beginning, before we even went into your jam, was that they're on a journey too. I mean, they're in their mid to late 50s. They're going on a journey. I'm in my early 50s. My journey is a lot different than it was when I was 22. Let me fucking tell you. You know what I mean? And for you too. So I think musically, I wouldn't say it pisses me off. It definitely chaps my ass a little bit because it's like, oh, it sucks. It sucks. It's bullshit. It's fucking comic book stuff. And I'm like, okay, I haven't heard it yet. You know what I mean? You're tipping your hand and I haven't even given it a chance. So I kind of despise and loathe that thinking. I just think it's very surface level and it doesn't give a regular listener a chance to see what they're doing and doesn't give credence to the creativity. You're right. And you mentioned a couple of important things there. One, I think, is the idea of the attendance bias, right? Shout out to Brian had attendance bias. Being there for this particular show, I think, gives it a little bit more context, okay? Because you get the playbill, it's a comic book right? So you can read the comic book, then you hear the music and you understand what the whole thing is about. If you just simply turned on Sci-Fi Soldier set, 
without any context. Maybe this, maybe you like the songs, maybe you don't. I, you know, I'm sure people are like egg in a hole. Like, what the fuck is that, right? It's crazy. It's silly. It's that nonsensical component of fish. But when you read the comic book and you get the bigger picture, and then the other thing is, is that you take a look back. So you've got the sci-fi soldier. Now you look backwards and all of those features that the band busted out starting in Arkansas when they returned for the summer tour and what basically kicked off the quote unquote 4.0 era. If you're into such a thing, the Jedi pedal, the bullfrog tone, Fishman's sample pads, some of the different techniques that Paige was using on the keys. They incorporated those things throughout summer and fall, right? They're all over these jams, these incredible jams, the ruby waves, the tweezers, all of these amazing jams that they had over the course of this summer and fall tour. So it seems like a lot of people are more interested in the parts as opposed to some of the parts. I think you see that here. Now, being in the crowd, I understood what was happening. I followed along. After the show was over, I went back, I listened to the music as I read the comic book, and it made sense. I also loved the nods that they had back to Kasvat Vox, to other Fish songs. It really felt like they were kind of pulling all of these other things that they had done together into sci-fi soldier and indeed that was part of what they had done with the rest of this particular run the numbers show all of those numbers that added up to 4680 which was the year that the sci-fi soldiers came back to save the world nerds <laughs> total nerds and you know what part of the thing that i love about it is they're fucking making fun of us they know that we're like looking for all of these clues. They do the animals show, they do the Harpua story, and Trey incorporates some of the, the features that they talk about the next night, and Holy Blankenstein is Iculus, and all of these things. They are literally making fun of the fact that there are nerds like me out there that are like, what are they doing? What does this mean? What is the greater significance? <laughs> Not me, man, you're a nerd. <laughs> I don't care. I'm a nerd, but but it's that creativity in the fact that they, first of all, came up with this whole idea, Kazvat Fox. It all goes back to the wingsuit set in Atlantic City in 2013, which, again, panned. They would much rather, in those spaces, listen to Fish play somebody else's music. And that, to me... While it can be creative, their interpretations and the cover albums that they've done, and I've seen a few, I've seen them do the Stones, Little Feet. We went out and saw Ziggy Stardust. Ziggy Stardust. So, you know, we've seen a few, and they, you know, Remain in Light by the Talking Heads. Some of it is, is absolutely phenomenal, and some of those songs have stayed in set lists. But honestly, how creative is it to cover somebody else's album you know i know they want to do it justice so they're going to stick pretty close to what the original album sounds like so it feels like people get annoyed at the creativity of the band when they try and do something unique i mean when was the what was the last new year's gag that people universally thought was great you go back to the last new year's gag they did everybody thinks that trey didn't really get stuck and it was all part of the gag 
again, that's that creativity versus negativity. I mean, it was very creative. It was cool. They had clones, whatever. I don't care what it means. It was kind of, you know, definitely a feast for the eyes. Like, yeah, visual sensation for sure. I like that particular one because it was sand, right? The New Year's gag was sand. That's my favorite tune. I'm happy. I'm happy to hear it. But then look at like the next two shows that I'm going to reference. One is the Petrichor, where they fucking made it rain in Madison Square Garden. And everybody hates Petrichor. Nobody liked that New Year's gag because it was Petrichor's song. And universally panned, Charleston Night 3 is like everybody on Twitter. I mean, was everybody at Charleston Night 3? I mean, I was there. I wouldn't say that it was my favorite show ever, but I think they were trying to do something a little bit different and maybe they got stuck in a hole of try not to repeat for that fall tour, whatever. And they had these tunes kind of in the batting order and then everybody was like, ugh whatever it goes back to that i feel like i'm yelling at everybody you know i also think about the big theatrical things that they stage that kind of pulls into create the creativity question and you know you look at the soul planet new years when they turned the stage into a ship and the crowd had everybody had those bracelets that were the ocean and nobody fucking likes soul planet but it, here they turned the entire audience into the ocean and the stage into this ship that was moving along with the love of the crowd. And also had cannonballs shooting into the crowd. You know what I mean? Like, I thought that one was one of the better ones they ever did visually. And I was very pissed that I was not at that one. You know, I'm a sailor. I have a 19th century ship tattooed on my arm. Like, that was right in my wheelhouse. Yeah, you're like a yeoman. <laughs> right. But the visual spectacle of the sails and the stage and all of that stuff, AZN's got a couple of amazing shots of that. You have one. We have one. Yeah, we have that. Yeah, yeah, we have it in our And I would love to have that hanging in my house, but it's not that show. So, and I wanted to get the Jolly Roger fish flag. That one's a little bit tough for me, too. But I think it goes to this, as we said, this idea of the negativity that surrounds the band trying to be creative do these visual spectacles and incorporate the music we're a very finicky very fickle very judgmental crowd when it comes to this band and their music but some of it i just some of it i you know i just don't get chilling thrilling sounds i fucking love that i thought it was a visual spectacle but i thought that the music that they created out of that was superior and plays so well as they've sprinkled it in since 2014. And we've talked about different versions of the dogs and Martian Monster and stuff like that that got sprinkled in. And we love those tunes, right? And I guess not everybody does. I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's the conversation we can keep having it. I also think that the fact that the band is still creating this much new music you know, they're writing entire albums for us, then get sprinkled in, and they're not playing the same shit that they were playing in, you know, 1997, 99. I mean, they are, but they've they've expanded their repertoire and added so much new music that, yeah, sure, maybe not everything is going to hit, but you can't question their creativity. And I had a conversation online with somebody who was like, the stuff that they're doing now is lazy. Come on! dude like it's lazy it's lazy <laughs> you can't you cannot win dude you can't win why even try to have that conversation that to me i think we wrap up here with this everybody needs to kind of take like a a little bit of a step back here that would be in, more of an intuitive question like what is it that you want 
what do you want? Because you don't need anything. Like they could hang it up tomorrow and they've had an incredible career, great run. So glad that I could be a part of anything that they've ever done. And I have been a part of a lot as you have and many others. It's really personal for me. And I think we'll go back maybe a couple seasons ago. It's personal. So I can't get involved in those conversations. I'm just saying that you shouldn't. Because really, it's like Chris Farley. I had no idea. Why do you think that way? I don't know why. Maybe because you know chord progression better than me. What's the argument? And so negativity is really difficult, I think, to remove from arguments about your favorite band. Everybody's got an opinion. I see them all the time. It's just all subjective. So, well, and I think I think that there are plenty of people out there that don't have problems with it. Enjoy what they do. Enjoy the creativity. I've been called a fluffer before, and I certainly am more positive when it comes to the band and what they are doing than maybe some people. I just feel grateful that we have it. That they are where they are, that we still have the opportunity to go see them, and that they're still doing all of this cool stuff. They're keeping it fresh for us. What more can you ask for from a band? I don't think that there is possibly anything more that people could ask for from these four dudes. Hate on haters, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, man. When they're doing some sort of experiential component, I'm just going to go with it. And I'm not going to complain about it. And if I do, I don't know, smack me across the face or something. So like, don't you remember what you said? (laughs) You know, I might forget. Yeah, man. Just to wrap up. I mean, that was really cool. I I always love just talking about, you know, a couple of these components of shows and building those into a larger conversation. So you stubbed me down just a brief portion of 9-5-2021 from Dix. We took a look at the catapult meat stick skipped over a couple of things and then went into the most events aren't planned. And then we talked a little bit about the 10-28-2021-2001-1999 that started the very impressive Vegas Halloween run. And I mean, hey, right in those two songs, you got 4,000 years of the 4680 from Sci-Fi Soldier. So Fish trolling the fans a little bit with this one and just a lot of fun to be at. Man, we were so fortunate with the music that we saw this summer, this fall. Hopefully the band keeps it going when they when they get back on the road in a few months here. Although actually they're going to be playing Mexico next month. So um, that'll be the next time they take the stage. Hopefully dead and co's dead in the sand or playing in the sand weekend got canceled because John Mayer got COVID and Billy's not feeling well either. I think he just had surgery and definitely thinking about those dudes too. And everybody that's facing any type of illness, especially right now and that throws a winner, which is, you know, I know people are really worried about it. We do too. I try not to worry too much, but Hey, Speaking of creativity, I also want to talk about another uh, shop on the lot by Primal Soup. This is Leah Creation Jewelry. Leah Creation Jewelry features handcraft, one-of-a-kind earrings, necklaces, belt buckles, and other accessories. All of these are made from scratched, unplayable vinyl records, which I really love because it's a repurpose. Like We were just talking about repurposing stuff, and her passion is really transforming trash to treasure. We got to get her working on these glow stick things. (laughs) seriously that's a great idea and (laughs) i know and and it kind of gives new life to these unplayable 45s and lps now you young people might not know what these are but we actually had like 45s or smaller records and they had an a or a b side usually the a side had a hit a b side had like a secondary song that 
maybe you loved, but wasn't really going to be played on the radio. And she does these for people so that they're these cherished wearable memories. And so she has a large selection of items, including a fish inspired line that includes donuts, a vacuum cleaner, cactus, turtles. And since they're all unique designs, there's always new items being added to her store regularly. It's really awesome. She makes jewelry as well. And she also does custom orders. Now, one thing that I saw was that somebody had commissioned Leah to create like this super unique Mother's Day gift. And it's a silhouette of the person's wife from a Bruce Springsteen album, which happened to be her mom's favorite. And she makes greeting cards too. So like, you got to go to her Instagram page, Leah Creation Jewelry. We follow her. She's on the lot. You can easily find her. She's got a plethora of stuff. It's amazing stuff. Like watching like her process and some of the videos that she's posted, it's really been cool. Because I'm like, I don't know what that is. Like, I'm a guy. I'm stupid. Yeah. How do you turn How do you turn a record into a belt buckle? Yeah, it's a cool, it's a cool video to check out on her, on her IG account. Like the creativity here, I guess, has been a theme of the show. And Leah has got it going on. So please check out Leah Creation Jewelry. They're part of the lot. We're happy to be part of the lot. And lastly, as always, we mentioned Scott Mitchell from Fan Designs. Recently, Josh released some hats, goose hats. They're really cool. You might have to get one of those suckers. I don't know if he has flat brims, but he's got stuff from all across the jam band scene. We've talked about Scott and we're really happy to shout them out so that they get in contact with you guys and get you some stuff for coming up in the springtime when we can all go outside and be around each other. (laughs) I personally am a big fan of small businesses and this is awesome just to be able to be a part of this group. And there's a lot of cool people doing a lot of cool stuff. So definitely check out all of the shops on the lot by Primal Soup. You can check out the two that we highlighted today, Sex Plants Rock and Roll and Leah Creation Jewelry. We are happy to be partners with all those folks, man. I'm glad that we do this. You know, I feel like I miss it sometimes when we're not on a regular season schedule, which is coming up soon, brother. Coming up soon. We'll have one more special episode coming out before we get into season three of Stub Me Down. So keep an eye out for that. You got some spring concerts that are coming up as well. I know Goose is doing some shows in DC. I'm going to be trying to catch one of those. I think I saw DSO, Railroad Earth, some of the usual suspects that we try and catch in the spring. So hopefully COVID won't get too much in the way of that. If you want to continue the conversation with us, you can follow us on Twitter. We are at stub underscore me underscore down. And we are also on Instagram at the same address, stub underscore me underscore down. Thanks so much for checking us out once again here on Stub Me Down. As always, we are grateful for you guys following us along as we continue our journey of taking a look back at some shows that Skinny and I have been to over the years. If you are looking for more Stub Me Down, Just Google us. You can find all of our episodes. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, pretty much all the usual suspects wherever you might get your podcasts. Skinny, thanks so much, man. I love you as always. Great to see you. Let's get together soon. I do have a Christmas present for you that is coming. Skinny and his wife, Amy, got me and Megan a very cool flag. It is the Maryland flag, but with the Fishman Donuts. So I can't wait to fly that proudly this summer. Hopefully your Christmas present will be here soon, man. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry about it, dude. I love you too. It's all good. But once again, thank you guys so much for listening to Stummy Down. On behalf of all of us, we are grateful. And we will see you the next time you need to get out of your shitty seats and down to the path. Later, dude.